0: and gentlemen, we are proud to present to you, in association with Terraspaces.org and Lunafest.io, it's the Lunafest Podcast. Welcome to the Lunafest Podcast.
1: Today's is the 15th of the third, 2022. And with a big warm welcome, I'd like to introduce Matrix, aka Ian. Wiggy Wiggy Wiggy, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine,
2: mate. How are you? I'm yeah, pretty good. It's uh busy, busy days. Um the team are Working hard in the background, Luna Fest is gaining momentum um, and yeah, so there's a lot occupying our brains but it's it's all good and it's all positive and it's all exciting and for all of those reasons it doesn't feel like work. So um, yeah, no complaints from me at all.
1: Non-stop, all busy, all meetings good. I hope, I hope these lots of contacts getting involved and getting here on board to the festival
2: yeah so there's a website which maybe by the time you hear this will be live and we we half hope to get that live today um we have three um dex presentations we have a an investor um pack which we've literally been fine tuning today. Um, we've got uh, an, uh, a private investor pack. So for people that just want to get involved from a private investor's point of view. And then we also have an artist pack. So as you will know from previous recordings, we're going out to Ibiza in... April and we are going to be connecting to and and some of the, hopefully the biggest names on the planet. And um, so, yeah, we want a really slick uh, artist pack. So when we show them the concept, then uh, it all makes sense. And um, hopefully we'll uh, advertise to them exactly why they will want to get involved in what we're building.
1: Yeah, so all systems go. As soon as this website launches, it's gonna be even busy, busy, busy.
2: Yeah, so web website, um, and there's also a teaser video. We're just waiting for a little bit of sign-off on that um, for commercial reasons. But, yeah, so a the, the, the video, a website, and all the investment packs, um, hopefully, will be live maybe even before the weekend. So, um, yeah, that's what we're working towards.
1: Good stuff, good stuff. I'm looking forward to see that uh, teaser with Yeah, very much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I'll tell you what, Ian, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And um,
2: basically just, yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah um well there's quite a lot to say I guess but um so I'm 42 years old and I have spent all not all but most of my adult working life in the sports travel business um so it was 9 2004 I traveled to South Africa to watch the England cricket series um had the epiphany while I was down in Cape Town to um set up a business because I decided I want to spend my life traveling the world watching England play cricket and set up a business to do exactly that. Over the next 18 years or so, we became the market leader. Uh, We dealt with pretty much everybody and anybody within the uh, UK cricket supporter scene. We dealt with all the media, the journalists, the players, families um the bbc talks for pretty much everybody and anybody that went on a an overseas cricket holiday they they came with our company we were the market leader in the world um and then one day and in early march 2020 this pandemic came over us we had hundreds of affected customers either overseas or um due to be overseas in Sri Lanka the cricket tour got cancelled the laws of the land were not accommodating, people wanted refunds, um, we never had monies to this day back from Sri Lankan hotels. Um, yeah, limited company directors got hit pretty hard, we didn't get any help at all. So my world changed, it got thrown upside down um, through no fault of our own, obviously, and like many other limited company directors, things got yeah pretty bad. Um, I made some pretty big choices and, and changed my lifestyle significantly but what it did allow was for me to go full time crypto and to start learning, going down a rabbit hole um, and start trying to understand a lot more of this world that we're all involved with. So um, I guess with every crisis comes opportunity. And um, I took that opportunity to to really immerse myself in everything that I can. Um, and we can talk about it later. Or, or, but but yeah, a few things happened and um, made some good decisions. And and, and Luna was one of those so and I became yeah where I am
1: how did you you, um, find out about Luna or how did you was anyone helping you with the crypto aspect or did you just basically find it yourself just through pure learning Uh,
2: I'm I'm not I'm gonna say I'm not overly spiritual but like you mean I, I but I do believe in the law of attraction and I do believe in thoughts become things and I do believe that what's meant to be and and it was probably in my darkest moment after the pandemic when after spending 18 years of your life building a successful business and being the market leader and having a, a, a nice lifestyle, um, and then, like I say, through no fault of your own, something comes along and destroys it all. And I didn't know where to stand. Like I, all I knew was that my money was running out, Like the company was depleted, we had refunded all of the customers, even though we hadn't had refunds back from suppliers. Um, we wasn't going to get any government help. I knew that if I didn't carry on, that that the I wouldn't even have the funds to pay the mortgage. So I uh, I rented the house out, told the ch- children that we were going to go and live on a boat for a few years, um, and and um, took a pretty big lifestyle choice to, to go and do that, and um, but to take all the pressure off myself. But to answer your question, it was one night. I do a bit of carp fishing. I, I like fishing. I like being outdoors and out with nature and um, one night I was out fishing and sat, I've got a camper van and I watched a video and it was um, an Ivan on tech video with tall bear from uh, secret network. And for the first time in three years of flirting around with crypto in the back end and making every bad decision you could ever imagine, the penny dropped. And it was like, it was something was like meant for me to watch that video. And it was like, this sounds like amazing like the narrative around secret network is going to be incredible so i, I joined the telegram and i got uh, sucked in and and sort of like really followed everything i could and watched every video that was available on secret and then that obviously opened up the whole um, cosmos uh, environment and then and then i started learning about uh, tendermint and sdk and and like what was going on in in those channels and then i was kept seeing things. I was watching devs and developers jumping over from Ethereum and moving into this environment. And then it was one night in the secret network Telegram, and I I will um, talk about him, but um, there was a guy popped up into the Telegram channel and it was a guy called Bullish Guy, and many of you will know him from Twitter. And um, I watched how he uh, grilled Tor on the due diligence levels were next level. Like he was absolutely like wanting to know everything. And I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he followed me on Twitter the next day. And um, we started talking on DMs and uh, we opened up a bit of dialogue and we got to know each other as anons, if you like. And, um, and he said, you really need to look at this Luna coin. And, and I obviously did. And Luna then was about 60 cents, maybe a coin. Um, and, and I was like, okay. And then. I was umming and ahring, and it was just the, about that time when it was the very first terabytes podcast, and um, there was some more VC money come into the space. And Mike Novogratz was starting to get vocal about the project, and and it and it jumped up to a dollar quite quickly. And I was like, I need to take a position. So so just literally took a small position um, and started doing more research, and more research, and more research, and then. Um, and then took a, a, another position and, and, and so on. And to be honest with you, I'm still holding those positions. So um, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of profit here and there as you've got to, but um, because I've, I've been living on crypto because my money ran out, um, if you like, from the company. Um, although we did sell the business um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe. Um, so yeah, so I'm now full-time crypto. Um, so yeah, that tells you how I got into loop at least, but yeah, there's, yeah, I can talk quite a lot, obviously. <laughs> Good stuff good stuff uh, Well, well
1: but all open to make it with the uh, set like so it's a good way to go you're a bit uh, sad obviously you've sold your business after building it up after 18 years so obviously it must be uh, must have been a bit of a painful thing to let it go eventually
2: well we let it go on the floor um like I say all I mean 18 years of net current assets got depleted um we never had any help and um, I loosely calculated we contributed around two million pounds of taxation to the british economy um, and when push come to shove we didn't get any help at all and the, the the reality is like i knew that we could build the business back again with our eyes shut and and obviously a lot of people would say oh that's great you've got a working business and you've done well to get it to where it got to but from a personal point of view i'd done that i'd got the t-shirt I travelled the world extensively watching England play cricket. It's all I've done pretty much since I've been an adult. And, and, it, and I was looking for something new. I was looking for a new challenge. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. So like, I, like the thing is with the cricket thing, and this is how I've rationalised it more recently, is there was always a ceiling. And what I mean by that is there's only so many people in the UK that like cricket, that can afford to go on an international cricket holiday that costs three, five, seven, ten thousand pounds, and ultimately want to go on such a holiday. So there was only ever around 20,000 people in the UK that were ever looking to go on that type of holiday. Um, and yeah, that that's great. And we were the market leader and we did everything well and we, we enjoyed many years of success. But at the same point in time, I'm really ambitious. And what excites me about Lunafest is there is absolutely no ceiling. Like this thing can turn the whole thing inside out um and and that's what really excites me so to answer your question again like no i've not been too upset about it i got a little bit upset when i was making a series of personal calls to customers and colleagues and contacts and relationships that i've held for many many years and um, that was a little bit tough but um i've not once uh, thought about it and um, since, since it's gone to be honest with you so yeah I'm, I'm quite open and optimistic and 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 yeah content with the decision
1: well, you've got your teeth into something really good here as well. So I'm sure Luna Fest has sucked your mind off a lot of things because I'm sure your thought factor is focused on Lunafest. And yeah, so good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, the, 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 what happened was obviously, as I, obviously I've told you the background, but I, I then, like I said, made some lifestyle decisions where I was like, well, if you're going to make me look out the same four walls, I'm going to go and buy a boat and I'm going to go and do something I've never done before and I'm going to go and tour the British Canal Network. And 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 I've had I've switched off, um, and the way again I've rationalised it is I've had a half time interval. I've had literally eighteen months, two years of, of lying on my backside, um, and and watching videos, shit posting in Telegram, laughing every day, having a little smoke on an afternoon occasionally, and just be, like literally just mentally having a rest, um, and that has given me like inspiration and fire back in my belly and it's i feel refreshed and revitalized and ready to take on something new and that's exactly where we are i guess
1: yeah good stuff good stuff Um, your music um, obviously what kinds of music you're into Um,
2: what parties did you used to go to yeah so it all started it all started with me uh, well, I guess when I was at school and high school, it was all the Britpop, the Oasis. Um, I went to Main Road to the Oasis gig up there. Um, Blur, Elastica, that type of indie scene. I was I was very much into Ash, maybe Cast, and then and what happened? Shed Seven, and and then and then from there, um, I, I it was around the time there was um, what was the track. It was uh, underworld born slippy, and it almost ignited this thought process. Or this this is just better. It's perfect. It's like a perfect track. And uh, we was at that point then, and a few of us were at the age where our parents would let us go to Ibiza. I think some of the lads were sixteen, but I think I was seventeen at the time, and we uh, we got on a flight as a young group of lads, and off we went to Ibiza on a on on a jolly. Um, mm-hmm. and- and I remember it was around the time of Todd Terry, Keep On Jumping. Um, I remember going to some of the bigger clubs for the first time and was blown away with just, like, the scene and, and what was going on out there and and came back a full-blown addict and um, and and was obviously looking for nights local to me that offered that type of music. And uh, the night that was there was a night at the Emporium in Colville. It was a night called Passion. So um spent my... Yeah, early early youth at the Emporium at Colville, uh, listening to, in the early days, it was quite varied. I think you'd have people like, oh, crikey, you know, yeah, everybody and anybody, but yeah, your Todd Terrys and your Frankie Knuckles, and then you'd have them mixed in with your Tall pools and your Brandon Blocks and your Lisa Lashes, and everybody was mixed in together in those days. There was Tony DeVee I saw a few times. Um, but yeah, that that type of environment was where it all began for me, and and that's where I... Yeah, found electronic music and, and really sort of built a passion for, for that environment. Um, yeah, but that's how it started and, and yeah, that's how I got there, I guess.
1: Yeah, they, if is the night that you're there? Would you love to go back to one of those nights in the party, being like a young lad again?
2: Oh, do, do you know what? My friend is getting... I'm best man for my best friend, Mark, who's in the group, um, who's one of the best trance DJs, to be honest with you. But he... Um, He's getting married in four weeks, and part of his stag do is going to the Emporium this Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, as much as I want to go, i also don't want to go as well. But um, but yeah, I, I, I probably will go, and I will probably drive, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, is it,
1: obviously the Emporium's still going then, yeah. So
2: yeah, it's, 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 it's a, yeah, it's, it's been it's been up and down. There's been a, it's got a bit of a, a, a past record. It's still probably one of the biggest super clubs in the country because obviously the super club scene died really um but yeah they still offer nights and they um still do the passion so jason kinch who's jfk uh he took the night back on again uh, a friend of mine damian huchan who's dj Genix, he had um he had the night for many many years as well um but there's been there's been politics over the years but um but yeah i, I know a lot of the people around the, that night and that scene and and that club because it's uh obviously been a big part of my life for for, what 40 years really but um yeah he's still going and I think it might even be the 26th or 27th birthday this weekend maybe and I went to the first one
1: yeah yeah so a lot of partying
2: yeah well yeah but as you know as you get older your your brain can't hack it and the week afterwards you can't deal with it so um yeah, I've lived a pretty good life and I'm I'm content swerving it to be honest with you. But um yeah, I think there's always that little bit in the back of your brain, isn't it, that always enjoys it.
1: Out of everywhere you've ever been, where would you say the best place you'd ever have parties? If There's these one moment that like you've tossed, well, this is like a special place, this so, um, or well,
2: it's always been Glastonbury. It's always been Glastonbury. Um the I remember a Friday night at Glastonbury, well, how many years ago now, but maybe f- five years ago, we saw uh, Underworld and then we went to see Carl Cox at Arcadia. And it was like if if Carlsberg did Friday nights, it would have been that Friday night. It was absolutely perfect. Um, I remember seeing Blur on a Sunday night on the Pyramid stage. And to be honest with you, it's probably one of the only gigs that made me cry at a gig. It was that emotional on a Sunday night at Glastonbury um so yeah it's always been Glastonbury but I've, I've been lucky I've been to full moon parties on Copan Yang I've been to Tomorrowlands when friends have DJ'd out there um I've been to a lot of the yeah big big gigs festivals I went to the first Creamfields I went to the first Global Gathering I went to the first Tidy Weekend. I don't know if you remember them um, so I've kind of been around a bit and sort of seen it, it all. But I, the last big night really I went to was I went over to Ibiza for Carl Cox closing at Space. Uh, so I just flew in, went to the gig, and, and flew out 24 hours later. Um, I was
1: actually in Ibiza that weekend. I never actually caught Carl Cox, but I was actually in Ibiza. the was it at all? I think I possibly would have been in Pasha Solomon
2: yeah yeah very good yeah so i yeah I, i've traveled around you know but, but yeah it, it used to be storm on a friday uh passion on a saturday and then hot dog came along on a saturday and then you'd come out of there and you'd get in the car and drive up to sheffield and go to the howard um and then there's a whole scene going on, on up in up in sheffield at the time um and there were, yeah, all manner of different stuff. Lo- loads and loads and loads of different experiences. Um, I got into my speed garage at one point when I was living in London, sort of the Matt Jandaman, cold, tough enough, brown thing. Um, and then that that sort of came and passed, and and then I, I mean, I I got into my like my hard house at one point with with the storm nights and and uh, and, and and then sort of the bed and the babushka and the um, sort of just the house music um, scene as well. So I've kind of been quite varied in, in electronic music and I've liked it all over the years. Um, so yeah, so yeah, pretty varied and pretty open-minded to it already. No
1: wonder you come up with the idea to make a festival, the amount of party you have doing. You've got some experiences and I'm sure you're going to take a little bit of everything and hopefully make Lunafest a bit of everything
2: and make it special. Yeah, I've done a bit of promoting as well. So I um, we had a night in Melton Mowbray, which is uh, where I'm birthplace, if you like. Um, we had a night called Painting It Red, um, where we brought in a lot of the old—I um, say old, but the uh, like the legends, if you like. So people like Brandon Block played for me, and John Kelly, and uh, who else? Andy Farley, people like that. So so we had, i had a night, had a, quite a, a bit of experience with promoting. Um, which took a few of the DJs, Mark, um, got some nice gigs on the back of it and um, and supported a few people and some stadiums and things like that. And then that opened some doors and then it was through that. I actually um, teamed up with a guy um, who was a God's Kitchen resident at the time, a lad called John O'Burr. That was his DJ name. Um, and we decided to set up a record label. so we um, we had a record label called Infinity Records. Um, and we had maybe 10 or 12, um, releases, which, um, we had limited success with. We had, um, we had some reasonable, um, remix artists, some lads in America, Norrin and Rad, and we got tunes that were in the top 10 on Beatport in the Tranchart. Um, and yeah, we had a bit of success with that. And we had a night in Nottingham, which we would get, um, two or 300 people, um, so yeah, so we had um, yeah Ben Gold did some remixes for us and Norrin and Rad and um, and we had some success with some tunes and we had support from people like Paul Van Dyke and Armin um, and their respective radio shows and Above and Beyond played quite a lot of our tracks as well. Um, so yeah, we had some success with that, but that 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 was an, another string to our bow, if you like, and something that I've got a little bit of experience with. So yeah, a little bit of a varied background within the music industry as well, right? Really
1: so in a perfect setup for the festival how many stages would you like to see in like a bit of rock music on one like indie say stuff and a yeah. dance dance uh, what kinds of dance music would you like to see a bit of varies over the three days of how would you like to see it run and a perfect festival for yourself
2: well, I'm. Uh, you know, I guess we haven't. You So we haven't really talked about the indie stuff. So I've, I've always had a, a soft touch for sort of the indie music as well. So um, I, yeah, school, i like indie myself. Yeah, a school friend of mine was the lead singer in a band called The Holloways. Um, so that opened up a whole world of uh, festivals and backstage and type of environments that we used to tag along to and. Um, but so yeah so that that was going on and and you know and that sort of like bands like block party i really enjoyed the libertines the wombats and then there was the dirty pretty things and then and then through those contacts there was frank turner i always enjoy listening to frank um and then there was a band that never really made it big time but a band that i still adore to this day was a band called the sunshine underground um and then always enjoyed going to watch them so yeah going to gigs live music venues yeah really really varied but again back to your question. I I think it's what I've really tried to hammer home is it's not about what I want. It's about what the community wants and it's not about it needs to be techno or it needs to be drum and bass or it needs to be house or it needs to be rock or it needs to be indie or it needs to be heavy metal. It needs to be whatever the community wants. So we we want to get a whole series of, um, um, I mean, artists available to us that are friendly into this environment and we want to let the community decide which way they want it to go. Um and, and that's how I would like it to go. If you're asking me, then yeah, i, I want to, I'd like it varied. Um I like I really do like the idea of um network the conferencing side of it. You know I mean if we can get Doe on the main stage to open things up or we can get Mike Novogratz or Remy or some of the big guys to like really sort of do like a, a, a talk, and you can sit on your blankets and you can listen to like really solid alpha around the scene, and and get some like information and and be part of something really special. um And then we can move into some maybe some bands and some acoustic stuff, and then we can maybe as the nights move on, we can move into sort of the heavier and 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 really immersive um electronic music um that whichever which way that goes to be honest with you um but yeah I, i'm open to all of it really am. I,
1: i'll begin the the festival goes? are obviously speaking to it a few times i can see you've got passion and drive um obviously i i see no limits to the to this uh, you can just push it and push it where do you actually see it going yourself and you know, what, what do you want
2: out of it? What? How far do you want to take it? It, it scares me a little bit in a, in, a, in a positive way that how we could turn the whole thing inside out. Because, I mean I, I mean, I posted to the lads in the group last night, the guys in the group, that, like, it, I mean, like we're, we're going to launch a token model with 10 million tokens. And is that enough tokens? Because like when you start bringing in the metaverse and when you start bringing in every single person on earth can come to this event, and it's a self-fulfilling event, because if you, you own the event, you go to your own event, you will get profitability from your own event. The more people that go to the event, the more profitable the festival becomes, the more the token value is going to go up, you're going to tell more people about it, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and the artists are going to shield their own festival, the the, the the sponsors are going to shield their own festival, the people that go to the festival are going to shield their own festival, because they want more people to go next year, and you're going to want more people to attend in the metaverse, and when you start putting that type of dynamic into what we're actually building, yeah, I, I think it's going to take off massively, I think that It's going to take a little bit of time, and I think we need to start with humble beginnings. But as you know, we can have 100,000 people plus at the current environment. Um, However, there are things in my mind to say, like the in real life event needs to be very exclusive. and We don't want it to be. um, We want it to have the right feel and the right vibe and the right clientele. We don't just want idiots running around and peeing in bushes, you know, and we're setting an example here for, for the, for web three and, and, and the clientele that coming to it, we want them to be the right clientele as well. So we can't just have it as an absolute shit show. It needs to have, it needs to be, um, has to have the right feel and the right vibe. And we need to be sat around the campfire having a cigar and a a late night drink and networking and the opportunity and, um, and, and maybe not for it to become a complete drug fest um but but for it to be a, you know what i mean an opportunity to to, to be our best selves and um to, to do everything we can to yeah drive this revolution forward um and yeah but that, that's yeah but i i yeah like it, it can yeah it can go yeah i've answered the question numerous different ways i think but um it, it can go whichever way we want it to but I'm not in control of that to a certain extent and if the the people want it to get bigger in real life it will get bigger and if the people want it just to get bigger in the metaverse and stay exclusive then it will go that way as well but the festival site can go up to a hundred thousand people plus plus. Um, and that's really exciting um, as far as I'm concerned and and the fact this metaverse thing does have no ceiling um yeah it, it, it's it's open to everything really
1: hundred thousand people there. I was speaking to Sarah about this on the last podcast there when I was looking at what like the, the V Festival used to hold ninety thousand. So yeah. When you put that into perspective, there was what well, there was so many stages set up. They had they had bits of everything. So at yeah. hundred thousand, you could have pretty much areas for everything that you've just said there. You could have like your uh, exclusive zones. The yeah. uh, there's so many different uh, parts you could do with it with a festival site like that big. You yep. could like it. You could have a bit of everything, to
2: be honest. Uh, yeah, I I agree, and I think if, as long and as this plays out, you're going to get what well, every genre on earth is going to have. Web three artists within it so obviously we're aware and we can we can name a few names of people that are flirting around with the nft space and they're flirting around with nft music and and they're 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 curious about how this is going to look and how this is going to play and there's names that are sort of the richie hortons and the bts that are really immersing themselves in i mean obviously your snoop dogs as well maybe but they're immersing themselves in this world already so how it but, but most people I mean, like Genix, one of my friends, Andrew, and Juno DJ. He, I mean, like he, he, he sort of like finding out more. He, he knows about it. He just doesn't quite understand it. The pen is not quite dropped yet, but it will. It will. It's not everyone's going to come to it at once. It's going to take time. Um, and and you know, like I do, that when you do get it, it just makes absolute sense. And 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 sooner or later, the whole world's going to get it. And when they do get it, it just continues dominate. And yeah, that, that's the most exciting well, thing
1: about all of it. Really. Well, the project's still early, isn't it? The website's only launching this week. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it is going to build and build. And by the time it comes around to the first festival, well, uh, I go back to the NFTs and the tickets. I, I love that. I just absolutely love the idea of the tickets being NFTs. How, yeah. how would that work for the metaverse stuff? If you're coming into the metaverse,
2: would you think you're going to be getting an NFT ticket? Yeah. Uh, course, how's that going to work? well we've got danny on board who's a metaverse expert um we're talking to probably one of the biggest names in the world that's building the technology um around the metaverse at the moment um, we want to hopefully bring him on board as as part of the project as well um and we want it we, we want it streamed that any sing every single person on the planet can come to the festival and they can put on their goggles, which over the next three years will be readily available for relatively small amounts of money. Um, And they'll get smaller and more compact and more confined. But anybody can put on their goggles or their glasses or their Google Apple glasses or whatever they look like in September, maybe. And they can, they can come to the festival and they can pay a nominal fee and it might be $5. It might be $10. It might be $2. Who knows? Um, but they can pay a nominal fee and they can be there and they can maybe be in a, an environment with just their friends. So they are just there with friends. They might be going to an environment where they're there with a load of anons. Uh, they might go there and um, they might just be there with their brother or the sister or the mother or their best friend. And you can choose who you attend the festival with, but you can come to the festival. And if you want to stand there and, and listen to the band, the band is performing and you can see the band the band will be like literally in the metaverse. You can watch the band, you can listen to the music. You can listen to Mike Novogratz doing his speech. And after his speech, you might say, well, we want to go to the other stage and we want to go and listen to that talk or we want to go and listen to that performance. And you can literally walk there or you can move there and you can watch it. What the best- Walking
1: around the gallery, looking at some NFTs, listening to the festival still, looking at the art.
2: Yeah. yeah so, so for example, let's say Sarah's DJing. I, I, I attended one of Sarah's um, uh, 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 art festivals at the weekend in the Metaverse. and, and it, obviously this is early technology, but what I was able to do was I was in, I was in a, an art gallery or a, yeah, an art exhibition with maybe 20, 30 other people who were all talking between ourselves before it started. And then Sarah started speaking, and she took us around to the different environments, and she took us around to the different artists, and she explained who the artists were, and, and we were able to look at that artwork in, you know, I mean, in, 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 this, in, on this platform. And then some of that was augmented as well, so it, like it came to life, and there was things going on around that. And if that's the early, early infrastructure of what the metaverse is going to look like, it's excellent. What's this going to look like in three and five years' time? it blows my mind to the point that people in their houses anywhere on earth are gonna be able to put on a pair of goggles and they're gonna be able to go to a music festival where every single person at the festival is owns the festival and is gonna be talking about the festival that's gonna be shilling their own festival that's gonna be talking about it. Then yeah, it's it's, it's, it's quite exciting.
1: Yeah, NFTs, you're big on NFTs.
2: I initially just didn't get it. Why would somebody spend that much money on it? Because I was just looking at the the Ethereum punks. And then the same with anything. If you get some skin in the game, then you start understanding things. Um, And Andy Andy from Ludner Fest was involved um, quite early. And I've I've got a little Telegram chat with a few mates in it because I was fed up of sharing stuff with uh, everybody and anybody. So I set a little Telegram chat together for, for, for my friends, really. Um, and we, between us, got on the Galactic Punks whitelist early. Um, and we got whitelisted and we were able to mint some Punks quite early doors. And when you start taking ownership of NFTs, then you start understanding the value. Um, and the way I look at, because I'm only really into the terror NFTs, if I'm honest, um, and I've, yeah, I've not, I'm not brought to all of them, but I've, I've, I've brought some of the early projects and, and I've done nothing with them. I've just sat on them. Um, and brought a few more here and there, things I like, and uh, I brought a couple of Hellcats and, and various things uh, because I missed the mint. But um, but yeah, so I, so the way I look at it now is it's almost a leverage position in your belief in the ecosystem. Because if Terra does go on to be the currency of the world, then you then uh, owning the early architecture um, is going to be highly valuable in the same way that those ethereum punks are highly valuable in the same way crypto kitties are highly valuable in the same way that the um the monkey business on solana is highly valuable because that was the early architecture of the nfts in those ecosystems so we had um stargaze go live a few days ago on um which is the nft marketplace in the cosmos Um, and again i literally the guys we, we we jumped on and we just brought a load of the early nfts on stargaze so your own you're your owning that early architecture um but i just <laughs> just looking at it now actually but i did buy what i did buy sarah's very first um uh joe uh is it joe Quan um the uh her first artwork in in Terra. so she had a mint of uh, her first um works and Terra on uh, talis and i did manage to grab one of those early uh pieces of art from sarah as well
1: yeah, these these loads and loads of NFTs out there. It, there's too many to get them all. I I only pick and choose yeah. the stuff I like myself. Uh, but it's it's endless, isn't it? You think where where did they all coming from and who's going to buy them all? But when you when you go onto like likes of Random Earth and you look at the floor prices on some of these, yeah. and you think, well, people are trading them, man. It it, it, it is crazy the money that's thrown around on pixelated that. Like, but yeah. there is a market for it, so long way may it continue
2: yeah i think it's i think it becomes proof of og and and as we move into the metaverse world and we're talking to people about self-sovereign identity for example and how can you prove like if i turn up with my hellcat avatar for example and i'm that person in the metaverse and you say oh there's ian because i recognize the hellcat then But how, at the end of the day, you could put your Hellcat as your avatar, my Hellcat as your avatar. So how can you prove it's me? Because you could be talking to any scammer or random in the metaverse that comes along. So it's then around verification that you can prove it's you through, and there's different ways that people are working on how that technology looks as well. Um, So they're they're the the challenges. Um, There's a few podcasts knocking around at the moment with Lex Friedman and whatnot around that type of environment on, how we can manage our data and privacy as we move into into the metaverse, if you like, and and how that's going to look. So,
1: yeah, yeah. If you if you had a favourite, then what what is your favourite NFT? I
2: quite I'm quite fond of this. Uh, I, I got it by luck, really. Um, and Fin, I don't know if Finn's listening in, but um, but the uh, so so Fin has put the the pimp cats together or the pimp coats together.
0: Oh, uh, he's a pimp coat. What's up, baby? Finn here. How y'all doing? <laughs> I saw the pimp. <laughs> the I saw pimp. the pimp walking in. I figured I'd come say hi. What's up?
2: <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, t- I'm I'm quite fond of this uh, pimp coat, and uh, I I got it. I got I got it quite early, to be honest with you. So um, I, di- I didn't I didn't I didn't pay what it was worth today. So but it, but it's gone up. I don't know what the floor price is. Ben, you, you're in tune with these things, but it's um, it's gone up significantly. So um so yeah i'm quite fond of my uh pimp coat uh, hellcat i think it's probably my favorite one have you got any horses on the derby stars do, do, my children are seven and nine i've got two daughters and it's my own fault that i they're all over it so and and yeah i brought two horses because i'm, I'm going to give them one each they've got their own wallets on their own um, ipod touches and and i'm going to give them one each because they're mad gamers they love it and 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 telling them that they can train a horse and they can go into like, and they can do things with this horse and they can take it to the stables and they can feed it and they can look after it and they can potentially even, we can breed it in the future as well. And there's going to be a real horse race on the Saturday afternoon at three o'clock and real people are going to be putting real money on this horse race. And and our horse is going to perform. Like it's a whole, but they're all over it and I I get the rarity calculators out and I say, go on and set them free on the rarity calculators, looking at projects and, yeah, the, the first thing they ask me when they get in the car at a weekend is, "What's the price of Luna? What's the price of Bitcoin?" And if I brought any more NFTs? Yeah,
1: I've got. I hope for Derby Stars. I was a bit disappointed with the uh, the way it released. We were in the actual the uh, Discord and the Telegram groups. We were we must have been in the first hundreds. Yeah, and the way the way it uh, released, it was a bit. It was sold out in seconds. To be honest, I, I I've got a couple of horses. I never got none on the um, first mints, but. Yeah, yeah, I've got IOPs like, hopes for the for the whole uh, thing in general. Like, I'm looking at the uh, oh,
0: I'm looking at the pimp coats right now. There's ten possible. There's four available, and the cheapest one is one thousand Luna. Uh, the, oh, there we the, go. The next one up is one thousand Luna, and then the next one after that is two thousand two hundred and one Luna. <laughs>
1: you know what i missed this i don't I, I don't even know what these are what, what are these pimp what yeah so
0: if you go and like look at the trait rarities some of them are less than one percent uh the ones i have in mind are the pimp coats which are 0.4 percent giving you a possible 10 out of uh what was the whole thing like twenty, two hundred, forty, four hundred. i forget how many they minted um so yeah then you can sort on luart by Uh, the price and everything and by that trait and it'll bring you how many there are total and then what the the price is. Uh, The other one I got I I minted these and got super lucky. The other one I got is uh, one with a crown on it and there's only eight of those Uh, and then there's ten pimp coats.
2: Did you grab both of those in the mint?
0: Yeah, I minted four total. I sold one a while back and then I still have my tiger cat and then I have the pimp and the king. Uh, Well done. Not bad. I wish I would have got more no. in hindsight. That's how it always goes, though. <laughs> well,
2: I, I think I paid. I'm, 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 I'd have to check. I don't know if it was 10 or 20 Luna when Luna was maybe $30 each. Oh, uh, for that. So, yeah, I, I got lucky, really. Yeah. But I, I saw it. I was watching them for days and days and days. And, and I was like that one turned up. and I was like, that's got to be rare. And I I had a little look and it was a top 2%. And I thought, yeah, Yeah. I'll
0: I'll do it. I love it. That's so great. And Uh, going uh, back to what you guys were saying about like authentication and stuff in the metaverse, I, I kind of picture it like you see what happens in the Telegram channels where you have all these impersonators. All they're doing is changing one letter. They're using the same profile picture. And they're taking advantage of people that are in these servers that they uh, may not know better to like double check or like a lot of us have it easy because a lot of us are in conversations with these people. And so when an imposter comes up and there's no message history, it's like, oh, obviously you're an imposter. But if you're just a normal Joe, like in interacting in these servers, you have no idea who's who. And I think no. that's a huge point to be made for the uh, being able to have some sort of seamless technology that offers this authentication when we're in the yeah. metaverse. Cause yeah, like you have no idea who you're talking to. And, and even then you still really don't know who you're talking to, but you know, based on the reputation of that authentication yeah. who you're talking to. Yeah.
2: yeah. So we are were, we're talk, talking to a, a, some guys in the cosmos um, they're called checked. I don't know if you've come across them. Uh, but Fraser and Eduardo, um, and they are very much working on these solutions um, and how to do that and, and and how that's going to look. So, um, yeah, yeah, shout out to Checked, but um, they're, they're good guys working hard and they're, they're building real-world problem solutions.
1: It's got to bounce off some sort of IP address or something. That would be like looking so capture uh, the unique want- IP addresses.
2: Yeah, they're working on things like, obviously, you know me, so you can verify me and you can say we, we've worked together with Lunafest and I can say, well, I know Finn. Finn's been doing it and this is the real Finn. So we can give Finn an up check and you can give me an up check and someone can give you an up check. And, and over time, your up check becomes verified because you've had 50 people verify it you and you're genuine. Well, that's cool. So
0: you have like a social reputation on top of the hash that's in the blockchain itself, because that that right there, the NFT authentication using the blockchain hash is is enough to verify an identity. But then past that, getting into like the reputational uh, verification, I guess, for lack of a better phrase like that, that's definitely going to come in handy once we're all just, you know, ones and zeros floating around in here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was, so, it was good yeah. to see TerraSwap um, like in the early days of TerraSwap you would go on when like if something was a a protocol had launched like, and the coins had dropped. there would be about five or six versions on TerraSwap of the coin. It's good yeah. to see that they've now uh, they verified that these a little green tick next to the ones that say you want to swap UST to I don't know, White Whale or something. The White Whale will have a little tick on it's verified but in the past, when it first started, there'd be like a few, there'd be about five or six whale opens. he yeah, was always was, like uh, scammers jumping in there. Yeah, they did that and on CoinHall too. <laughs> yeah, it
2: was the same on UniSwap as well. It was the same on all anywhere where you can put a contract ID in there. And that's obviously the sort of rule one hundred one. Um, go go and check CoinGecko or go and check Coin Market Cap and go and make sure your contract ID is correct if you're adding it for the first time. But as you know, it's a minefield, isn't it? And if you if you're new to the space, like I mean, it's kind of easy when you know, but it, it's not when you don't. And and you can see why so many people get scammed because it's just yeah. a hot scammers um, everywhere.
1: On the newer protocols, I generally uh, go through Twitter for a lot of my stuff. So I'll I'll go through Twitter. I'll type the in on Twitter. I'll find them on Twitter, and then I'll use the link on Twitter. That's how I I generally go to a lot of the new stuff don't know whether that's the best way to do it or not, but it seems to be uh, well, touch with it. I think that you know, works people, but...
0: as long as you're not just blindly doing it, because there are obviously imposter accounts of, of things like that on Twitter. But if you go to an account and you can look at its posts and obviously it's it's either them or it's not, you know, and then then that gives you another yeah. signal whether or not you're you're safe to click that link. Uh, same thing with the websites like you never know especially with all these different dot ios and and everything popping up like i don't know if it's dot money dot finance or dot io they all have the same website so like all right now how do i verify and then that's when obviously going to the the trusted sources and everything based on reputation can can go a long way
1: yeah yeah okay Ian going back to like your music stuff and that uh... Before we started the podcast, you was it? Uh, you told me a little, few interesting things about yourself here, uh, which we haven't brought up on the podcast, which we can bring up now. Uh, um, you did mention you was a world record holder. Do you want to uh,
2: tell us about that? Um, yeah, not anymore. I um, I went to show somebody not so long ago. I think it might have been Sarah actually, and and, and it's changed. But um, so on the I'm looking at the certificate now. So on my 40th birthday, which was uh, nearly two years ago. But we did it on the 3rd of April. Um, we uh, was we went to the Mount Everest region in the Himalayas, and we climbed a mountain called Kalapatha. And we went up to 5,583 metres. And we broke the Damien and I. So Damien is uh, Genix. Uh, he's an Anjuna Beach DJ who's uh, touring the world constantly with Anjuna. Uh, but, yeah, together we did a back-to-back set, and we broke the record for the highest... Altitude DJ set on Earth, um, which got broken a, probably a, three or four weeks ago from a team on a mountain in Pakistan. Um, but yeah, for a few years I was a world record holder. So um, yeah, you, you can certainly if you YouTube it or Google it, you'll you'll find the videos and um, yeah it's all online. The set was recorded and and all the stuff along with it. So yeah, yeah,
1: good stuff, very interesting. Are you going to go back and take your record? No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no not doing that um i think as well i've climbed kilimanjaro um and yeah I've, I've done a few i've done a few of the highest mountains but i've got no desire to go back to altitude again to be honest with you i've had enough of altitude. yeah too cold It just makes you feel crap it makes your head want to pop your your blood's boiling you you just you you can just feel the pressure like you i mean everything's popping cams are popping you you, you, your brain's swollen. You, you just feel terrible, to be honest with you. It's, it's not a nice experience being at altitude, um, and you've got to acclimatise if you're there for a long time. You are acclimatised. but if you if you're going up for an hour or two, or like a, a day or two, then there's no fun in sitting around and feeling like that.
1: All in all, how long was you actually up on
2: the uh, Everest plateau? Was you was you up there a few weeks like? So the walk it's the walk itself i think we did in maybe eight or ten days so we flew from kathmandu into lukla um, and then you go on a hike uh one night and then we had a couple of nights uh n- i want to say num num Get forget the names of the places now but yeah n- and we had a couple of nights climatization and then uh, yeah maybe, maybe it was when you get up to Gorokshap, which is just before base camp, and then we had a night there, and from there we went up to um, Kalapatha, which is um, where we did the world record, and then the next day we went up to base camp, um, and obviously for wanting to see it and be part of that, and then um, yeah, and then we 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 literally got back down towards the airport. I think it probably took us two days. De- to be honest with you it's not that far it's just the fact that when you're going uphill you to go slowly 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 because because of the altitude and your brains if you go quickly then you'll just make yourself poorly very quickly so you've just got to take it easy and and, and go very slowly um and drink lots of water and do all the right things so you don't yeah you know, hurt yourself right
1: yeah a lot of acclimatization
2: yeah exactly yeah acclimatization is the key and and slowly slowly poly poly or was that was that i think that was uh the Kilimanjaro one, poly poly. but yeah, that was yeah what the guys used to say to you down there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go talk a little bit about the festival site. Um, any reason in particular why you picked this festival site, or is it? Did you how many? Did you check a lot of different venues, and this one just like jumped out? It was like got everything.
2: Yeah, we we looked at uh, numerous venues, and we thought around different sites of the different parts of the country um we originally so yeah we originally looked at Stapleford Park Hotel and um, we were very keen to, to do the festival there and then when we started getting talking to the estate managers about logistics and access and traffic management and and all the things around that then that became quite unviable maybe quite quickly um, and then Harrison, who's on the team, he, he suggested Presswold and um, the Forbidden Forest Festival took place there a few years ago. And and he had a relationship with the guy that owns the site. It's um, been in the family for 400 years. And we Harrison came down for the night and we um, yeah, we, we we had we went to Stafford. We went to Presswold. Um, he also suggested an island down in Essex um, that Harrison knows. Um, and we looked at, yeah, there, there was lots of different ideas floating around in the first stages. Um, and when we saw Presswold, it just, to be honest with you, I got home that day and I wrote all the fours and all the against and and and, and mapped it out because it's, it's a big decision. You know, like we, we don't want to be going to one environment initially, and then next year changing, or next month changing. So we needed to make sure that it ticked all the boxes for us because, yeah, like I say, from the outset, we've got some pretty big views on where we want this to go. And Presswold did tick a lot of those boxes, and it had all the licenses in place. It had all of the traffic management systems in place. It's got some accommodation on site. It's got water points. It's got electricity. They're bringing in the optic fiber for the broadband so on and so on and so on. So it, yeah, it, all the things, all the tick boxes that we were looking for and ultimately the expansion, um, then it's, it is perfect. It really is perfect. And I say, obviously, but it is relatively close to where I live as well. So that comes as a, a big advantage and um, that I'm able to go up there and I'm in touch with the guys. I'm keeping them in constant communication around what we're doing and marketing material when we publish it because we want to go out with a big press release in the not too distant future um, and there's going to be a lot of publicity around it as well so um, so yeah we want to make sure that they're fully in tune with what they're getting into um, that it doesn't come as a surprise later on
1: yeah the, I suppose a site like this as well has probably got a good carp leaf on there somewhere <laughs> now that I know you're into fishing I'm partial to the bit of fishing myself
2: uh, no sure. I think. No, I don't think there is. I haven't seen one. I haven't asked him, to be honest with you, but I there's a few waters. I can't talk about one because it's got publicity, band But um, yeah, yeah, I've had £40 co-op out from local waters. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm
1: pretty... Yeah, I'm more of a, a fishing me shop. I'm into the bible fishing body. Yeah, I've fishing
2: with you one day. I'll tell you a quick story. So so last summer, because I, I obviously I've told you I'm on a narrowboat, um, and I went up the river i'm not a million miles away from where i am and i heard that there was some sturgeon on this particular stretch of river and uh anyway i pre-baited a particular spot and i went off on the boat and came back and i fished this spot um and there's a wider story that i won't go into now but um but yeah literally the rod rattled off and i've hooked this fish and i'm like gee because this is a big fish and i've got 10 foot three pound test curve scope rods and it's given me the proper run around this fish. Anyway, there's a narrow boat coming down and it's gone over my lines. And anyway, I landed this 47 pound sturgeon out of the river. Um, It shouldn't even be in the river, let alone 47 pound. And this thing was just an absolute monster. Um, And a friend of mine who is um, Mark Pitchers, who's the uh, quite famous carp angler in the UK who I went to college with, he he, he messages me, he says, how can I put it on my Instagram? I was like, yeah, go for it, Like, whatever. And, um, yeah, it was like probably one of his most interacted uh, <laughs> photos last year. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, quite ironic that I caught this 47-pound sturgeon out of the river, um, which, yeah, shouldn't even be there. Crazy-looking fish, aren't they? These are,
1: these are sturgeon place in Wigan. That I used to fish. I have caught the sturgeon. Yeah. Uh, they're very, like, uh, the weird, aren't they? They're like, uh, I don't know. They're just, they're not like a f- well, what
2: we'd
1: say fish as such,
2: just like, I don't know, they're pretty historic, aren't they? They're just like, yeah, totally. Like, literally bonkers. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a photo afterwards, but yeah, absolutely bonkers to pull this out of it. Out of, it was just, but I, so the, because Mark had put it on his Instagram, the Angling Times were getting old of me, trying to get hold of me to say, can we put it into the publication? So I was like, so I spoke to the guy that makes my bait for me and I said, look, i'm not that interested you know like I'm, I'm not worried about being in the magazine and then um, he was like no, no i put it in the magazine so i'll get some publicity out of it <laughs> so anyway it was the second biggest story in the uk that fish coming out of the that river that that week so yeah it was a pretty big story
1: yeah good stuff good stuff uh, no
2: problems then anything
1: else you'd like to add to the podcast uh, you want to speak a bit more about the festival or
2: no I don't, no not really and like i think we've covered quite a lot of things um i mean i maybe one thing we haven't said is the team um i mean we we've, we've got a, a great team of individuals i, I mean, like, I, mean I, I don't need to go through them but they're working so hard and like everybody's done everything for love so far um we've got the vision um the building the decks building the presentation the i mean the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours on zoom calls meeting different networks and protocols and sponsors and different types of people and learning who could help us with what and and, and everybody's done everything for love and, and 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 yourself as well wiki like thank you for what you're doing um we're all learning as we go and um, like this whole thing is is uncharted territory i'm learning we're all learning um everybody's working really hard um and I, yeah I, I i don't think i've as been as excited about a project about anything really ever and and that's just exciting because it's like a calling it's like we're all being vacuumed into this and 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 i guess we can't really explain why or how or what or how the universe is pulling us all in as as it is doing and i mean like andy quit his job yesterday and he's now full time and and it's yeah it's it's yeah it's incredible it really is and i'm I, I, i i've not been as excited about anything, and yeah, I couldn't ask for a better team to be working with daily, and um, and yeah, this call gives you obviously a little bit of insight about me and who I am and 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 how I've got here um, and what experiences I've got, but um, yeah, and yeah,
1: when Lunafest, yeah, let's go Lunafest. And what what I will say about the team, the people I've spoken to within the team, everybody's got a passion and drive. Uh, I suppose the love of music and crypto was just. Got everyone pumped, and uh, it is a really good thing to be involved in. Yeah, so, yeah, let's go Lunafest. Let's make okay. it up. Let's make it happen. It's super exciting to see
0: that it's forming much like an NFT community where initially it's the art or the idea that pulls people in, and then as more people start to to come together, you start figuring out who's good at what and who's going to be able to help with what and who's got time. And and it, it seems like just from an outsider perspective, watching this form, like that's what's happened. You guys had this cool idea for a festival. A bunch of us love festivals you put the pictures up of like this paradise of a place that like, I mean, how could you say no to that? And now it's just slowly started to build and, and grow and, and gain different people with different talents and everything. It's super cool to watch. It's like people finding their tribe, you know, like I I love that shit. So I'm definitely here for it.
2: And, and the thing Sorry, Willie, but the, um, what I'm really, really keen on and what I'm really driving is, like, this is a community festival. It's not about us being profitable. It's about the people that participate. It's about the people that help. It's about the people that perform. It's about the people that sponsor. It's about the, the people that drive the, the train, if you like, or drive the ship or whatever. They're the ones that are going to, the people that come to the festival, the people that participate at the festival, the people that come to the festival in the metaverse, the people that want to be part of it because they because they can see the vision, they will be the ones that benefit from it. And 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 we want it to be a community festival. We want the festival to be literally owned by the musicians. It's owned by the sponsors. It's owned by the participants. It's owned by the community. It's not owned by me. It's not owned by anybody. It's owned by everybody. And and that is has the opportunity of turning the whole thing inside out. It really, really does. Salud, bail true like yeah absolutely true DeFi style and 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 uh, yeah i'm very confident that we're going to have some very big partners and some very big artists good stuff good stuff hey, you know what i forgot to talk about your mix. <laughs> uh,
1: your, your mix we're
2: going to be banging one of your mixes on at the end um, what type of music is it well I'm a, I'm a vinyl dj so all of my music is on vinyl and i own if i've got i don't know probably i i've I got rid of a lot but i, I probably now own a thousand pieces of vinyl and i probably got 200 house records i probably got 100 progressive records i probably got 300 trance records i probably got 200 hard house re- records i probably got i don't even know numerous other like um compilations from indie artists and numerous knows whatever else is um, and, and a load of random stuff as well but um so my mix is and it is what i had available to me on a, a laptop computer which we did use when we did the everest base camp dj set so i you i the first part of the mix is um pretty much what we did on everest so that's the the world record set and then it goes into some main room trance late night big sounds um trance music and then it finishes off on a couple of tracks from my record label or what was the record label infinity records um so it's um it's a little bit disjointed i didn't have a huge amount of music available to me um but it but it does work and i had to listen back to it and it, i'm happy enough so um so yeah hey yeah world record and then some of the sounds that i really like club classics trance main room and then uh, yeah a couple of couple of tracks from uh, infinity records to finish us off well.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to it, to be honest. Uh, as well, you know me, I love music. I listen to music every day. Can't wait to bang it on, get the decibels Happy. up. Happy days. Yeah, yeah and just like uh, just like to mention as well, before we go, uh, obviously, Luna Fest is all about onboarding people to crypto and crypto people to Terra. So, as always, if you could check out Learn Terra on the... Uh, YouTube or throughout the internet, T5 Alpha, Terabytes Pod, many, many sources of information out there. Uh, so, anyone listening in, if you're uh, new to crypto, check it out. Uh, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. It is the future.
0: Um, we should mention, we're going to make a site. I haven't done it yet because I'm super backed up right now, but we will have a spot on TerraSpaces.org where you can go and just download the mixes. Uh, I know it's it's a lot to download a whole podcast and then just because you want to listen to the song at the end again. Uh, so we'll have a section that'll have each artist that we've had on LunaFest here. Uh, it'll have their mix there. You can just download it right from there and then play it in in whatever you like. Nice. Okay.
1: Yeah, and once again, I would like to give a big shout out to Finn uh, facilitating us, Teraspaces.org. Big thanks to you, Sonny. Thanks, team for coming on tonight. It's uh, been really enjoyable speaking to you, uh, and I'm sure we'll catch up again
2: soon. Yeah, thanks, Wiggy. Thanks, Finn. And, yeah, it's been nice to talk to you, and uh, like I say... Yeah, I guess uh, yeah let you know a little bit about who I am and, and my journey as well so uh, yeah looking forward to building all this stuff and looking forward to uh, networking and uh, getting more and more and more involved so uh, yeah bring it on
1: yeah nice one let's go Luna tell the
0: people the website lunafest.io that's and, the one
1: yeah. and that's
2: the one thing lunafest.io and yeah in the next 48 hours you'll have a nice new shiny bright looking cool uh, website to look at as well
1: Go check us out on Telegram and Discord. Yeah, LunaFest UK. We'll put all the links in the show notes so you can just click them right
0: there.
2: Thanks guys.